the sleeper in the bus. There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open file, a case shut. A short stop or stop short. Press play or press abort. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all to listen. Aiming at what truth is. Mike and Eno pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting? Who's missing? The sleeper in the bus. The sleeper in the bus. Welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Mike Podhorzer, and I'm joined today by Rotograph's editor, Eno Saris. And today we'll be discussing a pitcher who recently recorded his first win since 2010, along with a bunch of deep league names. But first, let's get to our most interesting player alive today. And Eno, you are calling from the ballpark. Where are you right now? I'm at AT&T Park, and it's a... Uh... It's a wonderful day. I mean, it, it might be a little bit more wonderful if it didn't have that patented San Francisco gale force wind coming through. Oh, of course. How can we forget about that patented wind? So <laughs> uh, are you there to interview a player or to take in the game, to escape your wife? <laughs> All of the above? No, I'm just kidding. I love my wife. Um, I'm, uh, I'm here to hopefully talk to Anderton Simmons. Um, but as I do uh, most times I come to the park, I, I have prepared for three or four uh, Atlanta Braves or three or four guys from the visiting teams that uh, I hope will talk to me. And uh, But mostly I want to talk to Anderson Simmons just because I love his defense. And I've got a couple, I hope, interesting questions for him about his defense. Well, I'm sure many fantasy owners are probably wanting you to ask B.J. Upton why he sucks and when he plans to start hitting the ball. <laughs> but I don't think you want to ask that. But I, yeah, I don't think that's an no, easy one for me to ask. <laughs> no, that's not going to get you in the good graces of the Braves clubhouse. That probably would not be a good idea to ask. Yeah. All right. Let's start out. Most interesting player alive today is Matt Harvey, who's probably been the most interesting player alive all season. And I'm pretty sure we've t- discussed him already and compared him to Shelby Miller. And he's just continued on. He just missed a no hitter by an uh, a perfect game by it was an infield hit that did him in. Uh, I mean, what else is there really to say about this guy? I mean, is he – do you think he's going to be a top five or a top ten fantasy starter over the rest of the season? Yeah, I, I do. I think that um, – I was looking at our at our uh, rankings, and the, the, the names that I think he comes up against are sort of uh, Felix Hernandez. Uh, I think he's past Matt Cain just because he's got the strikeouts. Matt Cain never really had those. Uh, he's past Jared Weaver, and these are guys that were just at the cusp of the top ten, sort of seven through ten. So, um, you know, I, I'm not ready to sort of pass Strasburg uh, with Matt Harvey just because Strasburg had such a great debut, has a few more innings under his belt, um, and a little more velocity. So uh, I think he bumps up against Strasburg and, and some of the tippity-top tippy guys, but he's I'd say top 10, maybe not quite top 5. Yeah, the only reservation I would say about him being top 10 was, is he really going to reach 200 innings? I think that he might have to come close to that to be top 10, because I don't know if the wins are necessarily going to be there. The Mets offense isn't that great, and obviously, if he doesn't pitch uh, 200 innings, then the strikeout total won't be absolutely amazing. So I think that's the only concern. If I knew he was going to pitch 200, 210 innings... I think he has a pretty good shot at being top 10. But that's my only concern right now. He only threw 160 last year. So 200 might be pushing it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, the, 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 the wins, I think, um, I mean, at 160, you go to 190 to 100, maybe he can make it. Um, but the wins, I think, is a, is a valid point to bring up because someone asked me if he's top five in a quality start league, and I was like, you know what? He's, he's definitely top five in quality starts. I think, for me, the wins are a big thing just because you saw how, um, you know, the Mets bullpen can conspire to, to steal victories, you know, steal victories from the jaws of defeat. Yeah, and, and Frank Francisco is coming back at some point soon, and if he pitches like he has in the past couple of years, that is more victories that he might cough up for Matt Harvey. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, Frankie Frank, back in the setup role. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right, now I want to talk about somebody. You gave me a great reaction before. Scott Casimir, 10 strikeouts in six innings, no walks. What is going on here? I, I know. I said, holy crap. I was looking at his uh, Brooks baseball page. Oh, breaking news. The most interesting player alive at this moment is now Scott Casimir. He's overtaken Matt Harvey in the most searched for players on Fangraphs. So it's a good oh. thing that we're talking about both of them on the show. Well, you know what? In fact, uh, it's, it might be a bit of a flaw in our reasoning. Uh, we don't want to continually talk about the same guy over and over again. So maybe we should add a clause. Most interesting guy or maybe second most interesting guy. Yeah, that, that will definitely happen. It's, it's the same guy over and over again. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Matt Harvey every week, <laughs> although I love him. I could, maybe. Um, but uh, I was just looking at Brooks' baseball page for uh, Scott Kazmer and – I think holy crap is the only thing you can say because he touched 96 today. And yeah, averaged, I was going to mention that. Yes. Yeah, he averaged 93. So, I mean, that's that's stuff he hasn't done in a long, long time. I mean, averaging 93, let me like, – averaging 93, he hasn't done that since 2004. Yeah, uh, I only watched a bit of it and I saw like his last inning when he was throwing – 94, 95. I missed when he touched 96, but I'm actually a little surprised that he only averaged 93 just based on the pitches I was seeing in his last inning. I figured that, you know, most pitchers decline in velocity as the innings were on, except if your name is Justin Verlander. So you would think if he was throwing 95, 96 in the last inning, he was probably throwing it all game, but I guess not. So, yeah, uh, I mean, vintage Scott Casimir. Oh, this this is interesting, actually. I forgot. Brooks, uh, Brooks speed, uh, their velocity counters, they, they do that from 55 feet rather than 50 feet. Um, they think that's uh, a little bit more realistic and uh, reflects the speed coming out of the, bat- out of the pitcher's hand. So um, I don't know if, if our database will show 93s tomorrow. Um, so, but anyway, that would be almost unbelievable anyway. So On the stadium gun, though, uh, when I was watching the game, you know, he's up there, 94, 95, consistently. So yeah. that's definitely real. Uh, his swinging strike rate is back up. I mean, it's not vintage levels, but, it's, you know, coming into the game, it was at 9.9%, which is well above the league average and, and above uh, what he had been doing in the previous couple of years when he sucked. And, I mean, the concern always for him, he always struggles with his control, and he's a, a serious fly ball pitcher. So it's still... It takes a lot for me to really recommend him in the shallower, like a 12-team mixed league. I mean, would you pick him up in a 12-team mixed league? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's still walking, guys. I, I, I'm happy. I picked him up to stream in a 16-teamer, and there's, I've got him and Ubaldo, and I might give them both uh, one more start just to see if they're worth keeping around. Yeah, he's somebody that I would be very nervous about in 12-team mixed league. you got to take a chance in a deep mixed league. 
Uh, obviously, in an AL only, he's probably old already. Somebody just kind of rolling the dice here. Uh, but if I you wish think- I wish I'd picked him up in in Towder Labor. Oh man, I wish I I wish I'd picked him up in AL Labor. He was he went the first week. Oh. Yeah, is he available in our tout? Mixed he might league? be actually. I might yeah. I might take a look at that. I, I haven't checked. I added him to my list of players to to check to see if they're available to potentially bid on, but I haven't actually looked to see if he's available. So it's it's funny that there might be a bidding war on Scott Casimir. <laughs> well, if he if he legit has even ninety two mile an hour velocity, he had that in uh, two thousand seven and two thousand eight, and uh, two thousand seven uh, three four eight one three eight whip. Uh, 2008, 349, 127 whip. So, I mean, he's definitely a whip killer, um, even when he's going well. But, uh, you know, can I, do I think what he can do, and he did what in, in 2009, it was a 489 with a 142. I hope he can do better than that. Yeah, that's, that's clearly the hope. Basically, what it comes down to is I think that he's showing right now the signs that he might be close to vintage Casimir form, which was pretty good for a fantasy pitcher with all those strikeouts. So, I think he is worth the gamble. Uh, and if you have somebody clear to drop in a 12-team mixed league, I think it's worth taking a shot. But given his fly ball tendency and his battles with control in the past, he's somebody who I'm sure is going to get picked up and dropped many times all season long. Uh-huh. Well, the, well nice thing is, the nice thing is that it's, uh, Cleveland is a fly ball, sort of a home run suppressing park. And they have a good outfield defense now that Bourne is back. You got Bourne, you got Stubbs, and you got Michael Brantley. That's basically three center fielders. That's a great outfield defense. Yeah, and I think so. I think that'll help. And I think that he, I think he'll be bored, like you said, he'll be borderline all year. And if you can have patience, and really what I would do, what I love him as um, in sort of 12 teamers, is the guy that you keep on your deep bench, but you don't play him all the time. It's almost like a streamer, but he's on your, you know, spot starter, but he's on your bench and you sort of keep him so that. You don't have to fight for him every time you want him. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. Uh, I know people are itchy with their trigger finger. One bad start from a guy like Casimir, they just drop him for the next flavor of the day. And right. I, you can't do that because he's going to have games where his control is great, like today, and games where he struggles with his control, and you don't know when that's coming. And the last start is not a good predictor of what he's going to do the next start. Yeah. All right, let's move along to two would-you-rathers. First off, we have a new closer who's already recorded two saves in Heath Bell. J.J. Putz is probably going to be out for a while, and Bell is currently the closer. Or Kevin Gregg. I can't believe that I'm saying Kevin Gregg and Heath Bell are closers. It's as if it's many years ago. Would you rather Kevin Gregg or Heath Bell for the rest of the season? Um, this is like, uh, would you rather get kicked in the nuts or, <laughs> or get your nipples tweaked? I mean, <laughs> I... I, I, I I really, oh God. So I'll just say this. I'll say Kevin Gregg. I do not want to have Kevin Gregg. I don't want to roster Kevin Gregg. He's been losing his closer role for five years now. And every single peripheral says that he's not, he's not sustainable. I mean, all the first strike stuff, all that stuff we talk about, all the swinging strike, all, basically everything, velocity, nothing looks good except for his ERA There's one hilarious metric I'm looking at right now with Kevin Gregg. His zone percentage the league average is 46%. He's at 29%. I've literally, <laughs> I've literally never seen a pitcher with that low of a zone percentage ever in my history of looking at player pages on Fangraphs. It can't be good. I mean, the only thing, I, I, I was like really trying to find something. The only thing I could find is that his, he's throwing a split finger more than he ever has. 
And that's got to be slightly interesting. I mean, some, when a guy adds sort of adds a pitch like that, sometimes you could say, okay, maybe he'll get a couple more strikeouts with that or ground balls or whatever. But, I mean, it's really not showing up in the peripherals, the swing strike. None of those things are nice. At least Heath Bell, um, you know, is getting the strikeouts. He's kind of got his whiff rate back up. Uh, it looks like the curveball's working again. I mean, I don't know. He's actually been unlucky on balls in play. So, uh, I think Heath Bell might be I, – I call David Hernandez. So, after, after my infamous uh, – Correct call on Junichi Tazawa. I got uh, I got this one wrong. Yeah, well, I'm gonna go Heath Bell as well, and he actually looks like vintage Heath Bell right now. Swinging strikes are up, strikeout rate is up, his control is back under control, and I mean the, the concern just is that he's giving up a lot of line drives and his BABIP is high again, just like last year. So you wonder. I mean, we always say that major league quality pitchers generally regress to that level, but you just wonder with Heath Bell, with, you know, his fastball velocity is down again. Maybe he's, I mean, there's something there. Maybe he's just, he really is truly more hittable. But obviously, small sample size, Heath Bell's skills are worlds better than Kevin Gregg's, even though <laughs> Heath Bell probably has a little better competition than David Hernandez, and maybe Matt Reynolds steals some saves when there are a bunch of lefties coming up. But I yeah. like Fujikawa. I like Fujikawa, so... Fujikawa doesn't necessarily have velocity on on. Um, I'm actually I've been falling back on this. Uh, Jack Moore did a great piece that that linked velocity and strikeout rate to closer change in Fangraphs Plus this year, and it's the first time that I've ever seen anyone with metrics find anything that was predictive for closer change. I mean, literally, I've seen people go through closer experience, uh, FIP, ERA all these different things and not find anything that's at all predictive because we've seen ugly closers. We've seen Matt Caps, We've seen Joe Borowski. We've seen all these guys get saves in an ugly fashion. And so now what we've got is it's hard to predict what a manager will do. Uh, but I think that they do like gas out of their closer. And I think they do like strikeouts. So uh, I've been falling back on that. That's how I, that's how I called Tozawa early um, when everyone else was saying Lehara. And uh, that's just, I mean, I'm going to be predictable. That's how I'm going to call things. You know, I don't remember that article on Fangraphs Plus, but right when we're done recording, I am going to be reading that article. <laughs> it's pretty good. I mean, it, it, it just, it, it fits with our intuition that, you know, closers, the one thing that we usually see from closers is gas and strikeouts. I mean, you, you look at Carlos Marmol, all those years that he was closing, and he, you know, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, but, uh, you know, there he was, and he kept closing. So uh, I think that uh, people they like gas and they like strikeouts because you know gas and strikeouts get you out of out of messes. Right, so. and Carlos Marmol puts himself in many messes. <laughs> in <the> messes. <laughs> right, so, so his his um, getting out of mess to mess ratio is probably not very good, but he gets out of so many messes because he puts himself into so many messes. So it's just like RBIs. You have to look at how many RBI opportunities a player has. You have to see how many. Opportunities to get out of messes he has, and Marmol would not rate very well on that scale. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get to our next would you rather, a bunch of uh, two underperforming outfielders who both, of course, homered yesterday, Jay Bruce, Josh Hamilton. Would you rather Jay Bruce or Josh Hamilton for the rest of the year? Who rebounds here? Yeah, I'd say that I'm more worried about Josh Hamilton's uh, play discipline stats. Ooh. Brandon Belt just launched one. 
Woo, that was nice. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I would say that I'm more worried about Josh Hamilton's uh, play discipline stats, but I can't help but look at his previous years, and even though he's he's got a worse swing strike ratio and he's doing worse things at the plate than uh, Jay Bruce, he's had a history of like doing those things anyway and being okay anyway. You know what I mean? Like he. He has a decent strikeout rate some years, even though his swing strike rate is terrible because he just keeps swinging and swinging and swinging and he launches them out every once in a while. So, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I think that he can just succeed despite doing dumb things at the plate more than uh, Jay Bruce, who was maybe a little bit more borderline coming into the year. That's the best, best, uh, best backhanded compliment I've ever heard on John. <laughs> He's better at being dumb. Yes. Despite being a moron, he's actually pretty decent. <laughs> well, I, you just look at, you know, this is um, a career high for Jay Bruce in terms of swinging strike rate and also strikeout rate where, you know, Josh Hamilton, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a career high in swinging strike rate. It is a career high in strikeout rate, but it's also lower than Jay Bruce's. So um, I, I like Jay Bruce's home park more for power, but... Josh Hamilton hit 43 out last year, and uh, Jay Bruce has never done that. So I guess what I'm saying is we've seen more out of Josh Hamilton, so I will default to Josh Hamilton. Okay. Well, you brought up the park, and I think they are basically very close because both of them, their issues are exactly the same. They're swinging and missing a lot more often. They're striking out a lot more often. So, I mean, their struggles are very similar. And so I think the tiebreaker for me is just the ballpark switch. Hamilton goes from a great hitter's ballpark to a pitcher's park. And so I was down on him coming into the year, whereas Bruce is remaining in Cincinnati. And so I think Bruce has a better chance to rebound than Hamilton just for that sole reason, really. But both of them look pretty scary right now with those strikeouts. All right. Yeah, that's true. And, I, and, you know, if there's anything that'll scare me in the early season, it's, it's a strikeout rate, contact rate. I just, I like guys who make contact. Yeah, speaking of guys who make contact, or at least used to be, we're going to move along to another version of the not a sleeper, not a bust. Remember, these are players who I found, actually in this one article, the not a sleeper was named as a buy low. The not a bust was named as a sell high. And I disagree with both of them. Not necessarily, you know, but the first guy that's not a sleeper, Salvador Perez. And here's a guy who had been making great contact in the past, but not this year. And he's also walking like never. Actually, his walk to strikeout ratio, he's only walked three times in 109 plate appearances versus 20 strikeouts. So... You know, you agree here that he's not a, he's not a buy low guy, not a sleeper. Yeah, I the, like I just said, I you know I get nervous about um, contact rate guys and and strikeouts um, in the early season. And in his case, it's particularly bad because basically contact rate was his only skill. <laughs> I mean, I, I God, I'm being so rude today. Um, no, he, he has, uh, he could have league average power in a good year. I think last year he overreached on the power. And this year I said, you know, this is a guy that you want to own for the batting average, but not necessarily the power. He's not showing the power. And now the strikeout rate suggests to me that he's not going to hit much better than he's hitting right now. Yeah. And I, I remember some commenters in one of the articles I wrote, I think about the contact rate decliners that included Salvador Perez. They mentioned that he's been hitting a lot better recently, which is true. 
in May so far, he's got two of his three walks and only two strikeouts. But come on, this is 20 plate appearances. This is a tiny sample size. Of course, he was going to improve over his April where he only walked once and he struck out 18 times. So, yeah, we expected him to get better, but he's not showing any power whatsoever. And we're not sure exactly what his power is like. So, I mean, this might be a 280 hitter with 10 home runs batting, you know, in the bottom third of a mediocre Royals lineup. So will he get better? Yeah, I think he'll get better, but I don't think he's going to be the type of player that a lot expected of him after last year's big half of a season. And he got labeled as a sleeper. He was a very trendy pick. I don't think he's going to rebound to those levels. Yeah, another thing, um, you know, if you're picking him, you're relying a little bit on his uh, his Babbitt. And his batting average on balls in play career is 323. Uh, I, I ran a, a couple queries on, on catcher Babbitt's, and uh, they always came up below uh, the league average. Just, you know, you think about knees, and you think about crouching, and you think about the type of bodies that you normally have at catcher. He's not like a Jason, he's not built like a Jason Kendall or anything. So I don't necessarily think that he's going to have a plus Babbitt every year. So just in general, it's the kind of skill set that doesn't doesn't jive with me in a catcher role. I'd rather have a big plotting slugger, actually, because, you know, also batting average is one of those things you want to have a lot of innings. You want to have a lot of plate appearances. You want to have your Ichiro where he gets to the plate 700 times, right? So if you have a, a catcher that is going to help you in batting average, he's only going to help you in batting average like 400, 450 plate appearances. So, you know, it's already – he's already taken – a little bit out of his best skill. I mean, how many hits is he going to have this year? Like a hundred. Yeah. So, uh, so I just, uh, it's just not, it's not the most useful catcher's skill set. Right. All right. Speaking of knees, I, I picked up on that knee reference and I knew that was a great segue <laughs> into the next player. And this is a guy that I labeled. As, this is a guy I labeled as not a bust. It's Chase Utley, which I don't think you, you actually agree with me. You you kind of seems like you agree uh, that he's a sell high. So why is that? Well, my caveat was um, that uh, in a redraft league, I might hold on to him because I I do think that he can he can continue doing what he's doing provided he stays healthy. Yeah, assuming a redraft league, not not keeper. Yeah, so in a redraft league, I mean, it's all about his health. But I mean, even in a redraft league, the problem is his knees are degenerative. So He's got sort of one of these bone-on-bone situations in his knees, and it's not going to get better. And I think he's just trying to squeeze the best out of what he's got left that he can. He might, I mean, he might, if he gets traded, I might actually feel better about his chances of staying healthy just because he might get traded to a contender and, you know, want to win a ring and so on and so forth. But I, uh, I, I am very nervous about him, and I'm shopping him in my dynasty league like pretty hardcore. Well, I actually own him in our Tout Wars League, and I don't know. I, I had a good feeling about him heading into the le- uh, into the season just because we hadn't heard any injury issues whatsoever. I mean, this is the first year in many years where he hasn't headed into the season with any injury issues whatsoever. All his peripherals are looking exactly like they did before the injury issues cropped up. His ISO is identical to his you know, mid-2000 years, 2005 to 2009, when he was a 30-home run hitter. He's even stolen four bases, so clearly his knee is not affecting his performance uh, on the base paths. And he even seems to have some bad upside. It's only a 272, 
So maybe he even has another 300 season in him. Uh, home run per fly ball looks normal compared to history. He's hitting more fly balls, which gives him more upside there. So I don't see anything other than the health concern that maybe at some point he might get injured, which, you know, you know, to be fair, is a concern of anybody. Other than that, he looks a little bit legit. <laughs> That's a little bit different than that because. Oh, no, yeah, I agree. It's true. I mean, he's, he's, he's uh, what is he, 35, 34? And uh, let's see, it's cartilage. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's bad. It's, he, he doesn't really have cartilage in his knees. So, I mean, it's not quite like saying, like, oh, he might get injured. It's like more like he's playing in pain. <laughs> People stop asking him about it because they know he's playing in pain. That's how I'd put it. Well, if only Albert Pujols could perform as well as Chase Utley while playing in pain with... (laughs) Well, I traded for him in labor. I have him in a couple of leagues, and he stinks, so... (laughs) (laughs) You think he's stuck, stinking? Uh, Let's hope he rebounds, too. Otherwise, we're going to be talking about him soon. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look good out there. He's sort of hobbling around. But the fact that he continues to play every day is, um, I mean, makes me, continues to make me uh, optimistic a bit. Anyway, let's get to our deep league talk before you got to go. And uh, wanted to just discuss some names that, you know, I don't know how deep of a league these guys are going to be available in, but they might not necessarily be mixed league material, but deep leagues definitely. First guy, Jimmy, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Paredes, 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 Jimmy Parade, Parades? Parades. The, the Astros do everything hitter, recently called up, hitting second or uh, I think he's hitting third in the lineup today, actually. He's in the, hitting at the top of the order. Um, I like this guy. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I, I think he, he, he reminds me of Bonifacio, a, a guy that doesn't have great baseball skills, uh, but does. Wow, uh, your, your meanness is really on today. <laughs> Man, so snarky. This is really not going to serve me well when I get into the clubhouse. As lo- well, <laughs> you got to turn off that switch and turn on the charm. <laughs> yeah. um, the the he, he, if I remember correctly, he just does, he strikes out too much, and um, he he strikes out too much, and he doesn't have great power and doesn't have a great walk rate and doesn't play great defense anywhere. Uh, they kind of were trying him at short and then they moved him over second and they thought third and now it's left field or something. Um, it's, it's a very borderline skill set, but if he can prove that he can sort of back up all three outfield positions, he might, you know, manage to get a bunch of playing time. And, and uh, what, what, what uh, handedness is he? He's a switch hitter. He does it all. <laughs> well, I mean, for those in deep leagues that are looking for a speed boost, he's definitely he's definitely worth thinking about. Yeah, I guess I like him a little better than you because I mean, it was a short, uh, small sample size at AAA this year, but his walk rate tripled, his strikeout rate improved. He's still showing decent power. I mean, a full season could yield 10 to 15 home runs and 25 to 30 steals. So I like his power-speed combination, and if those skill improvements at AAA this year are real, then he might actually be a fixture at the top of the order and provide value all over the place while being eligible at multiple positions. 
you know, I think he's definitely useful if you need a speed boost, and uh, it is useful that you can move at different positions. And another nice thing, actually, is, is the way that the Astros are burning through position players. Uh, they're kind of just looking at everybody, and I think that they they'll make a decision sort of quicker than some might, you know, because they've got J.D. Martinez, they've got Fernando Martinez, they've got other guys that they can look at again. So, um, you know, I think you could roster him for two weeks, and if you don't like it, and you don't see him getting more playing time, then you can move on. Yeah, they have one heck of a rotating collection of non-standout players. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> Here we go again with the back compliment. Yeah, the carousel of mediocre outfielders is kind of... Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next player I got, uh, Luis Valbuena, who's getting basically full-time at bats at third base for the Cubs. He was hitting third the other day. Uh, oh, I picked him up in Tower Wars, and he's having a good week. It was it was supposed to be a one-week replacement for Kevin Euclid, and suddenly he's showing me, huh, maybe he's actually worth a permanent roster spot. Uh, did you say Tout? Because I think that his, yeah. best, uh, his best foot forward is his, uh, his walk rate. Yeah, I have him in Tout because I had to replace Euclid for the week. And that uh, and that Tout went down on base percentage. Yeah. Yeah, that we went down on base percentage. So uh, that's a pretty good pickup for you right there. And, uh, I mean, he's not really going to do much of anything else, but he'll, he's going to get on base. And uh, I, I believe like a sort of 330, 340 on base going forward, maybe double-digit homers. So that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, he has shown some power in the minor leagues. And he was decent in 2009. He hit 10 home runs in 368 at-bats with the Indians. So he has some power. He's got some on-base ability. And I think he's a guy in deep leagues that uh, if he continues to get the playing time, which I think he will because Ian Stewart is in AAA, gonna, he'll probably never come up. So I, I think he is a, a decent uh, deep league guy, especially in OBP leagues. All right, how about another guy who looks like he might be on the verge of a breakout? That's Josh Donaldson in Oakland. And all his peripherals also look much improved from previous years to make it look like this is really a true step forward for him. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, he was like a a catcher for so long, and he had some really bad batting averages in the minor leagues. And uh, I guess he showed power throughout, and uh, he's sort of shown a bit, an ability to have okay strikeout rates some years. So um, that's what he's bettered this year, and his contact rate, you know, is, goes along with it. So... Um, do I, I don't think he's going to continue to have a 340 Babbitt, but uh, I, if you were going to ask me 250, uh, sort of, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 homers for the year, I'd take that. Yeah, and I mean, looking at his zips projections, he'll also steal five to ten bases, and he's hitting in the middle of the athletics lineup. So I think this is another guy who under the radar, really good improved peripherals right now, suggest the breakout wouldn't be too far-fetched. And I would take the over, actually, on the zips and the steamer projections because they're probably not weighing this year's potential improvement uh, highly enough. Last guy I want to touch on... In that case, I'd probably probably just take the... I'm a little bit... I'd take the steamer. It's 256, 171 ISO. I I like those steamer ones. I, I wouldn't go too much past those steamer ones. But I agree with you. I'd definitely take the over on the zips. Yeah, yeah. Steamer is a little more optimistic than zips. All right, last guy I want to touch on is Birch Smith, who I had not heard of until like two days ago. He's getting called up from 
double A for San Diego, and he's had uh, fantastic minor league stats. I don't know much about this guy, though. Yeah, and I I got busted on my uh, on my chat today for not really knowing who he was, and I uh, said he wasn't sexy, but uh, I've now looked him up since, and uh, it looks like he hits like 96, 97, um, and he's got some deception, and if you just look at his strikeout rates, uh, it's pretty pretty interesting. Um, I. Yeah, we're just going to have to see what he's got. I mean, the, the control is there, uh, the strikeout rate's there, and nice 97-mile-an-hour velocity. I like that. Plus, it seems like he's a ground ball pitcher. So, I mean, he looks like the complete package, what maybe Felix Fernandez used to be, which obviously comparing any young pitcher to Felix Fernandez is uh, going a little overboard. But, I mean, that's what he was, was a strikeout pitcher who also induced a lot of ground balls and had good control. So, yeah. I mean... That, that's what Birch Smith's skill set is showing me right now. So he's definitely somebody, I think, to keep an eye on. Although, uh, be a little cautious. He has not pitched a triple-A, only 31 innings at double-A. So who knows? But skill set-wise and stuff-wise, he sounds like he could be pretty pretty helpful in deeper leagues. A couple of interesting things about him. Um, he was succeeding in San Antonio, which is a, a, a definitely a hitter's park and a hitter's league. Um, so I would say that's a notch in his in his uh, in his favor. Also, his best second pitch because it's all about his fastball in a way. But his best second pitch is a changeup. That's good. Um, so I like that. I, if I'm gonna have a guy who has two pitches and I'm not sure he has a third, then I really want him to have the changeup because the changeup is a platoon buster. Right. Um, and uh, and so fastball changeup. I mean, basically Cole Hamels until he learned his cutter was a fastball changeup guy, and he made it work. So. Uh, I'm not calling Bert Smith Cole, Cole Hamels, but I'm just saying uh, it's a good a good pitching mix. He's coming out of a, a tough place to pitch, and he's going into a great place to pitch. So I uh, I might go pick him up somewhere. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm going to let you go back watching the Giants and the Braves beat them up, hopefully. <laughs> so that's going to wrap it up. And join us again on Sunday for more fantasy fun on The Sleeper and the Bust. For Eno Saris, I'm Mike Podhorzer. Thanks for tuning in.